Welcome to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things. We don't agonize, we organize. And we're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now. Today, we have a special mini pod to share some exciting news about letter writing. Scott Foreman and Emily Wasserman from Vote Forward join us to share their findings from the 2020 election. Uh, Spoiler alert, the results are really good. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is a special How We Win mini pod. Scott Foreman is the executive director and founder of Vote Forward, and Emily Wasserman is Vote Forward's data and research director. Scott, welcome back, and Emily, welcome to How We Win. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Nice to be here. Hello. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be back. I'm excited. We've all been waiting for the data to come in uh, about Vote Forward's letter writing in the 2020 election. I know everyone really wants to hear about it, but first, I want to get to know you all a little bit. Emily, could you talk about what you do for Vote Forward and how you got involved with the organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am Vote Forward's data and research director, which sounds like a very fancy title, um, and it means in reality that I do everything that is related to our data experiments and research because I'm the only member of our data and research team. (laughs) So that means everything from designing our experiments, um, crunching the numbers once they come in, trying to chase down all those voter files um, uh, from the different states that send them. So um, really anything related to Vote Forward's goals to um, learn more about our program and evolve it to make it even better. And how I got started with Vote Forward, um, well, I had been wanting for a really long time, actually, to get involved with something related to the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. Um, I had actually wanted to do that since 2016 for reasons that I think should be very obvious. um, (laughs) You are not alone there. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. um, I don't think I need to belabor that point. Um, But I had been kind of plotting this for several years. And so as 2020 was coming up, I was thinking, oh, gosh, like, how can I possibly get involved? And I thought about joining a campaign and I tried, but it was like very difficult. Um, And uh, I was specifically looking to get involved in voting because, um, you know, when I thought about the different options, I really saw that voting rights and voting access was going to be the highest leverage point to get involved in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, 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 this isn't a great story, but I actually was just looking around the internet. I found Vote Forward's job posting and I applied. And so, um, yeah, to anybody out there who's ever wondered, should you just apply to that job posting you see? Yes, I absolutely <laughs> endorse that. It's worked out really well for me. That's fantastic. I love that story. And uh, yeah, so many of us, I include myself in the class of November 2016, um, you know, jumped in and had to do something. And I love that you found Vote Forward and just did it, just applied for the job. And uh, Scott, you had a chance to share your story uh, a bit on our show before, but for people who haven't heard it, it's it's one of my favorite stories. So uh, can you talk a little bit of, just briefly about how you started Vote Forward? Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, before I do that, I just want to say that I am also very grateful, Emily, that you joined us when you did. Um, and uh, and it's a good, it's maybe a good segue too, because my story of starting Vote Forward is also about just doing something. Um, right. And that I think is a big part of it is the recognition that there isn't anybody really that you need permission from to do 
pro-social things in the civic world. So the story is, I, you know, like like a lot of people, was feeling pretty uh, anxious and frustrated about the state of our politics in 2017. And I decided to do from my kitchen table um, with a pen and a thousand envelopes and a thousand <laughs> handwritten letters of my own, uh, an experiment. Um, my background is in software and a little bit of behavioral science type work. And so I have a proclivity for, uh, for doing randomized trials. I had this notion that I thought it might work to increase turnout, to just do something very human and very personal and so I designed this template um, and sent a thousand of those letters to voters in Alabama before the Senate special election there and uh, held out a control group and then was able to show a few months later that it had in fact been effective. And that kind of set me on the course of the next couple of years into turning this into a big thing. And it has been a big thing. And uh, I don't want to spoil your results. I'll just say it is effective. And I'm I'm really excited, enough stalling to hear the results of your studies and, and what you've learned from the 2020 election. So what does the data say? What does the data say? Uh, well, first of all, I should say that even before 2020, we had a lot of evidence that letters worked. So right. it wasn't like we were you know, putting this thing out there and saying, you know, crossing our fingers and saying, oh, gosh, I hope this works. We felt really confident going into 2020 that we were going to see something. But I would say what we have seen has been impressive, even considering that we expected to be successful. Um, so just to remind everyone what we did in the Big Sand in 2020, um, together, over 200,000 volunteers sent millions of letters. We blew way past our original 10 million letter goal to voters across 21 different states. So this was just massive in terms of the scale of what we were even attempting to do. And so then when we got the, the data back on who voted and who didn't, what we saw was that folks who were in our program voted at a rate that was 0.8 percentage points. That's eight tenths of a percentage point higher than people who weren't involved in Vote Forward's Big Send program. And I realize I, I want to stop there and say, <laughs> a lot of people are probably thinking like eight tenths of a percentage point. Like, what is that? Why would I care? It's a big um, number, I, though. It's actually a big <laughs> number. <laughs> it is. It is, Steve. Um, yes, it, which, you know, to me, when I saw this number, I was like, like mind blown <laughs> right. emoji. But, but I realize not everyone has that context. So the context I'll give there is that um, presidential elections are really big and they're really noisy because people are getting communications from all sorts of different sources. Um, you know, if you lived in a swing state in 2020, I can only imagine what was coming into your mailbox and into your phone and into your emails during that time. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize uh, for <laughs> contributing to that in some way, um, but people are getting deluged with information, right? And so it gets really difficult to detect the impact of what you're doing in that context. It's, it's like trying to find the signal in the noise and there's an overwhelming amount of noise. Um, and people are also already energized to turn out. So it's it's harder to sort of be that uh, that catalyst for someone to turn out when there's already so much interest. So in that context, um, we expect to see much smaller numbers typically in these big, what we call high salience presidential elections compared to other types of elections, such as midterms, special elections, state level elections, et cetera. Right. Um, and so in a, an election like a presidential election, even something as small as 
you know, one or two tenths of a percentage point would be considered a good effect, something that you could feel proud of. So in that context, seeing eight tenths of a percentage point, yeah, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and once you start thinking about the scale of the program too, once you multiply that number out across how many voters we contacted, it becomes something that's just um, immense in terms of the impact. And maybe, maybe Scott, you wanna speak to that a little bit. Sure, yeah, well, just to do the math. So if you, uh, if you extrapolate the 0.8 percentage point effect size across the whole program, that translates to 126,000 net votes. Um, so those are votes that, another way of saying votes that we think wouldn't have been cast, but for the existence of our program. And if you think about some of the tightest contests last year in states like Arizona and Georgia, 126,000 votes is obviously at least potentially in the realm of electoral significance. Right. Um, so that's why even relatively small effect sizes can have a huge uh, impact on the course of, of the country because like sometimes people talk about field margins mm -hmm. this is what they this is what they mean by that is that in very close elections this is the kind of thing that can make a difference um so i was also quite surprised i think this is if you if you do comparisons to other programs that have been written about um this does appear to be one of the most effective if not the most effective field program ever measured in a presidential election at a scale like this um so it's pretty it's pretty exciting yeah. One thing I do want to say is like, of course, we, we only know whether people vote or not. We don't know who they vote for. That's private. And so right. we can't guarantee, yes, every single one of those votes was for a given party or a given candidate. But obviously, considering um, that we, we set up our campaigns with certain goals in mind, we can assume that a lot of those votes were going towards the win margin in key states. Yeah, it's it's so exciting, and the convergence of this data and um, and knowing the the true efficacy of these letters, combined with Swing Left's you know uh, earnest effort to point volunteers to the races that are the closest, where every bit of contact and and dollar and and work you do is really going to make an impact. I mean, that's just incredible because that's that's what we try to do is give people something to do that we know is going to be effective in a place where that's really going to make a difference. And so this really bears that out. And um, and that's exciting. Can you talk about how you got this data? Yeah, um, I can take this one. So um, I know a lot of folks were probably wondering over the past year since we're coming up on a year since the 2020 election. I know what took so long. <laughs> I, I know, right? What took so long? I was asking myself the same thing. Um, so the reason that it takes a long time is because um, voter files belong to individual states. And so it takes time for um, states to gather that all that voting data together, clean it up, package it up into a file, and then for all of those files to be um, put together by the data vendor that we get our data from. So um, that, that data is all publicly available data. You could go right now and request, if you, if you were for some reason interested, you could go ask um, your local state's secretary of state for access to the voter file. I'll, I'll, um, let, you, I'll let you do that, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I trust yeah you, you probably wanna leave that to, to the professionals, but um, if you're bored on a Saturday or something, I don't right. know. <laughs> there is Netflix yeah, also. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, all of that is public, public information. 
But um, what that allows us to do is to set up these campaigns as rigorous experiments because we have this data ahead of time to see, okay, who, which registered voters are out there that we can try and send letters to. And then that allows us to match it up on the other end to those state voter files and see, okay, a few months after the election, do we know whether they voted or not? One thing that people are also really interested in doing and do a lot of is writing postcards to voters. So how does this compare to uh, to postcards in, in terms of the efficacy there? Yeah. Um, so um, it turns out that actually just yesterday, one of our friends, the Postcards to Swing States Project, released um, one of the their uh, efficacy numbers from the 2020 election. And um, their impact size that they cited for the most effective variant of their postcard tactic was uh, 0.14 percentage points. And so, um, first of all, I should say, we're really excited to see that they did find impact with their program. And we're yeah. really excited to see other folks out there doing this kind of rigorous work. Uh, at the same time, I think what we can say is that looking at those numbers, we feel really confident that in terms of percentage points, um, our letter writing program in 2020 exceeded that project's um, impact. And I think that's a pretty good benchmark for the sorts of impacts that you might expect from postcard programs. Um, I will say also that lines up with what I've seen in prior data about um, postcard programs that mm -hmm. in general, postcards are a little bit uh, cheaper and faster to write typically, but overall, even when you take cost into account, letters tend to be more effective. And um, Scott, I don't know if there's anything you wanna add on this point. I think you covered it. Um, I would just say also that we were really pleased to see Postcards to Swing States report the results of their RCT. And uh, we uh, we generally feel like it's it's a good thing for the community for people to do these kinds of trials. Um, and so, but I would, I would also agree with Emily's point that based on everything that we have seen so far, including the results from last year, we really do think that letters are the more effective version of the tactic. And there may be a number of different reasons for that. Um, part of it might be that they garner more attention from the people who receive them. Part of it might be the particular structure of the uh, communication. Um, so like they're, they're sort of a combination of official and unofficial, and that might right. be persuasive to some people. We don't really know, but there are reasons and hypotheses that we certainly have about why they why they seem to work better. But just to say it again, um, we are pro all of the uh, civic actions that people take. So absolutely. Um, we are absolutely not saying don't do other things. Um, we're very pro phone banking. We're very pro door knocking when that becomes possible again. And uh, just generally supportive of, uh, of randomized trials in general. Yes, we're very pro people uh, doing the work of a citizen and um, and participating in our democracy. So in, in whatever form that takes, and For sure. and you mentioned uh, the language and and the different variations of letters that you've done. Um, you know, you've had the ability to continue to test that and improve on what you do with Vote Forward Labs. Uh, what are your plans for the coming year? Coming years, I should say. Coming years, yes. Um, we are already thinking, believe it or not, about 2022 and beyond. Um, yeah, I so believe it. I'm thinking a... about it too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe I, I addressed that question to the wrong person. <laughs> right. Um, 
Uh, but we have a research agenda um, that is pretty ambitious. There's a lot of things we want to test um, going into the end of this year and then also into to 2022 and thinking forward even to 2024. Um, I would say the general theme of that that research agenda is getting more sophisticated with the tactic because we now have this track record, right? Going all the way up to 2020 that says, hey, letters work. Like every time we test letters, they work. They work to different degrees and different elections and different contexts, but we feel really good about saying that they work. So what's next? And what's next, I think, is to get more nuanced, right? Is to ask, okay, in particular electoral cycles or for particular groups and communities of voters or particular types of messages in the letters, how do those change how this tactic functions? Um, we've already made some progress on that this year. Um, for example, we uh, recently released the findings from our test in New Mexico's special congressional election, where for the first time ever, we did a direct head-to-head -head test of different messaging types and letters. Mm. And I know this is something people ask us all the time. We get all these emails saying, oh my God, what should I write in my letters? Right. We're really excited to start answering that question for you. Um, and our New Mexico test showed that a particular type of um, personal story, you know, when you tell a concrete and compelling personal story about how voting is important to you because of the specific circumstances of your life, that that might actually be a more effective messaging tactic. So that's an example of the kind of thing that I am really excited to see us testing out going forward. That is very exciting. Yeah, just to add to that a little bit, um, a lot of what we're doing this year and the early part of next year is about trying to make the program even more effective for its future versions. Um, so obviously, or hopefully this is obvious, we're going to do something we might provisionally call the bigger send for the even ah. bigger send uh, for uh, for the midterms in 2022. The really big send? We can workshop the, names later, I guess. The giant send? Maximum <laughs> Yeah, we don't know the name yet, but uh, the the point is that there's a lot that we can still do to optimize the impact of the program. And so the experiment that Emily described is one example of that. Another example is a test that we're doing in collaboration with one of our partner organizations, Voto Latino, to try to see if bilingual letters in English and Spanish are more effective. And if we are, we might scale that up next year. Um, and then I'll just mention one more, which is that we have a giant campaign happening in Virginia right now to try to encourage voters to turn out for their uh, general election um, in November. And part of what we're testing in that case is the impact of two different layers of letters, one of which encourages people to request absentee ballots, and the second of which encourages them to go ahead and cast that ballot, however right. they're going to. And like all of this, whatever we learn, that's going to inform what we do next year and hopefully make it even more effective. I love it. Uh, well, this is all very, very exciting. And um, everyone listening to this needs to sit down with paper and pen and write you both a big thank you note and mail it to you. Um, well, it will be I, very effective. I can um, tell you that. That would be effective, but I want to I wanna just dissuade people from doing that and instead urge them to go to the website and adopt five board orders in Virginia and write letters to them asking them to vote. That's what, those are the letters we really want people to write. Fair enough. Yes. The Virginia election has, is actually, it is an E-Day right now because early voting has already started. So That's right. Um, that is true. So that is, uh, that is our big call to action uh, until that E-Day. Um, before I let you go, though, you're not getting away without answering the question we ask all of our guests. Um, 
We'll start with uh, Emily. Uh, what gives you hope right now? What gives me hope? Um, I will say that I am I'm not an optimist by nature. I'm I'm sort of a um, I, I don't know, like a pragmatic pessimist. Um, I don't necessarily expect the best, but I try really, really hard to work towards it. That sounds um, like a data person to me. So that, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yes. Um, expect trying to expect what, what's realistic. Um, but um, what, so so what I will say is that um, I, I took a lot of hope from the fact that we're not in the worst timeline right now. <laughs> and I will say during um, during the past few years, it often did feel like we were maybe in what people call the darkest timeline where, you know, things were just, it felt like things were getting worse every day. And there was another crisis to respond to every day. And it was just really hard to keep up and really hard to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I feel like now, given our big victories last year, we have some momentum. And um, even though there's still a lot of challenges going on right now, it, it, it's certainly not perfect, but we are in so much of a better place than we could have been if we did not really dig in in 2020. And I always try to put that in perspective and think, oh my God, where would we have been if we had just not put in that work in 2020? And so I'm, I am actually thankful every day and hopeful every day because of, of where we are now. Absolutely. I love that. Scott, what gives you the most hope right now? I would say right at this moment, um, the uh, ongoing engagement of this army of volunteers in the Vote Forward community. This is 2021. It's an odd-numbered year. It's an off year. You might think that people would be sort of tired of engaging with politics. That is not at all what we found. We have already had uh, volunteers write more than a million letters to voters just this year wow. for Virginia and for a bunch of these other experiments that we've done. And I think it's a really hopeful sign um, for next year and the, and the years after that some of the re-engagement, uh, the sort of deeper caring about democracy that we've seen in the last couple of years, I think is durable. And um, that gives me a lot of hope. So that's what I'm hanging on to at the moment. Love it. Me too. And, um, you know, we talk, there's a lot of things we talk about with Virginia every cycle because it does happen in an off year. And, and one thing that people like to say is it's a bellwether for um, voters in the midterms. But I really think it's also a bellwether for volunteer engagement in the midterms when we see, you know, how people are engaging in the Virginia election as volunteers. And so that also gives me a lot of hope when I see over a million letters this, you know, off year already. It's incredible. So you two are incredible. Thank you so much for your contributions to our democracy. It's very impactful. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to you. I know our listeners are. And, and thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And also just a huge thank you. I mean, we contributed something to this project, but it absolutely wouldn't have been possible without those hundreds of thousands of folks, even the, the people who wrote maybe five letters last year, you were part of this. So I think the real shout out goes to you. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. What's your reason for hope? Send us an email at podcast at swingleft.org or tweet to us at bluesboysteve and at Mariah underscore Craven, and we'll share it on our show. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. 
Share our show on social media. Check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And of course, sign up to volunteer. We so appreciate you being here with us. And Mariah and I will both be back with our full show on Wednesday. MSW Media.